Hello, everyone. This is Karen Iverson Riggers. I am here with my person, Lynn McLaughlin, uh, for another episode of Real Vibes Only. We are coming to you today. Really, I think the best way to capture it is with a heavy heart. We were talking about the overwhelm. It's the only way I can describe it. The overwhelm of witnessing what really is vicarious trauma in the mass shootings that our country is experiencing, in witnessing war in many places around the world, in turning on the news and hearing about violence and hearing about pain and hearing about suffering. And we wanted to to just say, first of all, you're not alone. We are right here with you with heavy hearts. And we want to talk a little bit about it today. Like what, what do we do? What do we do when our hearts are heavy? <clears throat> witnessing the pain and suffering of others, witnessing our own pain and suffering, witnessing and feeling right that human connection to others. What do we do? What do we do with those heavy hearts? So I first just want to take a moment to pause to have you check in with yourself. Maybe put your feet on the ground. Take a breath. And just notice what's present for you. Notice where you feel it. Where is it in your body? How would you describe it? What does it feel like? Just really sit with it for a moment. We're right here. We're sitting with you. Let maybe take another breath. That's actually, we we hear you. Yeah, go ahead, Lynn. That's actually what I did. And when I, um, when I put my feet on the floor, I felt the tears, my eyes filled with tears. Uh, I, There have been so many emotions wrapped up in all of the, especially the gun violence, when you look at what happened in Buffalo and what happened in Uvalde. Um, You know, overwhelm is, is definitely a piece of it. There's a feeling of helplessness, like, not knowing what to do. And in that, um, we so often talk about be, don't do. And can we allow ourselves to feel it all? And all the, you know, when we get that feeling of, I have felt it so many times over the last couple of weeks, just that feeling of 
not again. Um, this needs to stop. Um, sometimes wanting to push it aside, sometimes wanting harm to come to the other people. Um, just so, it's such a mixed bag. And I think it is, it's so important to keep the dialogue open and to keep sharing all of what's coming up for people because, um, you know, I think for many, many years, and I can only speak from my childhood, but when it came to issues such as this, they were the ones that it doesn't affect you, push it aside. Uh, and I think we're seeing the ramifications of suppressed, repressed emotion in people without empathy that have had their emotions shut down so completely. So holding space for all of it, the anger, the frustration, the, the rage, um, and helping people to know it's okay to feel all that, you know, is so important. And that's the spaces that we create are so important to that. And I know you and I have had conversations about it and, and all the different ways that we learn how to cope with emotions that are big uh, and emotions that may have been shut down in the past. And how do we create those spaces to allow it to flow? And I think you touched on you touched on a couple different things that really resonated with me. But one was <laughs> thinking about what happens when we when we witness, I think this is the best way to put it, when we witness what can only be described as trauma and tragedy, right? And with our really connected world, and what I mean by that is social media and news outlets and the images that we see and the stories that we hear, it's, it's a very different connection. And so we're very connected and yet we're so disconnected at the same time, right? Um, so this piece around, you know, what happens when we witness this and oftentimes, and I have found myself in these reactions over the past um, few weeks, especially. So sometimes we disassociate, right? We check out and disconnect altogether. And I just wanna name, like, if this happens, like, let's not beat ourselves up about it because it's a survival instinct, right? What we are doing is trying to protect ourselves through this disconnection, but to be aware of it right? To be aware, like, oh, you know what? Like, I'm not going to check the news every 30 minutes. I'm not going to, right, be really connected into this. So this, like, disassociation and disconnection, that's one way. Another is the overwhelm that happens and just feeling completely immobilized that way, right? Feeling completely overwhelmed and it consuming you. And I can say this from my own experience, um, 
after the Texas school shooting and the next day walking my child to school and feeling complete overwhelm walking on the way back. Like I had, I had, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I have to get him to school. And I also, um, you know, he knew what happened, but not fully like absorbing it. And I didn't want that to absorb him. Right. So this overwhelm, which was just like feeling like I can't do anything, feeling immobilized. Like I couldn't like figure out what I needed to do next at home. I just was completely just overwhelmed, just overwhelmed. Right. So disassociation, overwhelm. And then this third reaction that I see playing out, which is, I'll just call it othering, right? Which is this really dehumanizing and judging of someone else and this othering. And, oh, is this one of the hardest, right? This is one of the hardest. (laughs) It's one of the hardest and it's interesting. I'm going to let you describe what it is. But after we had a conversation about othering, I recognized it in myself that it showed up and it's different if it's othering and you recognize it and can say, that's not who I want to be, or that's not the way that I want to cope. So I'm going to let you describe what it is. And I, I needed to be like transparent about that. I recognized it in myself because of the feeling of helplessness. So this othering is where we, um, you know, maybe it's in the example of the shooting, demonize the shooter. Um, You know, I've heard folks say things that are, um, I understand where they're coming from. I understand the pain, but it's almost, it's like um, inciting violence against those who have caused violence. And so this othering is this kind of like sep- like separate this this person, right? So I, c- I don't have to feel for them or have to see them as a, a whole person or have to be curious about how they came to work, know the world the way they did or be curious about what happened to them because I can, I, can say with a real high degree of certainty that um, everyone has a story. Everyone has a story. And, you know, what we choose to do with what has happened to us and how we act on that, right? This is still a choice. And I'm not saying we don't hold folks responsible. That's not, that's not it. This othering is where we really dehumanize other people. And, mm-hmm. and it's a very real reaction. And Lynn, when you like owned it, I was like, oh yeah, uh-huh, me too. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's been something I have been more and more conscious of and trying to practice more and more in thinking about the pause before I react to what I'm going to say 
about a person with whom I vehemently degree, disagree or, um, you know, find actions that they've taken so inconceivable and difficult. And I, what I... And so just trying to be... Just trying to be conscious when that's happening. Right. And I think that's such a huge piece of it. I have shared um, with you in the past, working through biases in that area and recognizing the bias that I was holding and the the intolerance I was holding and then meeting and having a conversation with someone and hearing their story and how they came to learn what this, this world is like and what human beings are like and the number of times that they were dehumanized to create that place of being able to dehumanize others and the, and the level of compassion and empathy that can hit with that. The other part, when you were sharing that, it's really interesting because the othering piece for me is always thought. It's a thought that comes to me. It's not the emotion. So I started, as you were sharing all of that, I was like, what emotion is attached to that? And you know, the word that comes to mind for me is rage or anger, but so many others, right? Helplessness. And I'm wondering, um, I'm going to commit to taking the time to unpacking that and looking at what are all the emotions that are underneath that? Um, and what is my comfort level with each of those emotions? And um, so much work, right? so much work to be able to heal and move forward with from a place of empathy rather than that desensitization or dehumanization. It's a lot of work. And as each of us take the time to do that, we're going to be creating a world that has empathy, that has compassion, um, yeah, that's all the stuff that came to me just then. And and the recognition that, like I, I had mentioned, the othering and, you know, all of those kind of things definitely come in thought, you know. And now I can be more aware of the thought and the judgment around it and get in touch with the feeling that's underneath it because I have to believe um that there's a tie there and I, I can't feel it right now. I know a, a really strong tie there. And I'm going to go back to that feeling of helplessness that was very present for me in my childhood and around my abuse. There was this feeling of helplessness and, um, and I believe it touches on that a little bit. And there is this need to do something and recognizing I'm an adult and, you know, just all of those pieces that come together and create such, um, such overwhelm. And I love that one of the first things you said, Karen, is you're not alone. 
you know, as we look at all of these different things that are happening in our world and have been happening for many, 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 many years, but have really been amped up since COVID and the closing in and more political divide, um, more racial tension. And I don't know if more is even the right word, but it's definitely in the forefront for people and people able to see it more. Um, yeah, all the feels. All the feels. And so when I think about those very natural responses that I talked about, right? The othering, the overwhelm, the disassociation. So now what? Like, now what? And this, this call to, I think, a couple different things. So one is just what you were speaking to, which was feeling my feelings. Feeling my feelings. And, um, and really sitting with them and, um, and feeling them. And, and I think that, um, I think there's great power in that because what happens when I do that, when I take time to do that, to pause, to really check in with myself, to be present, to sometimes get my literal feet on the ground, right? To be present in this moment is I then have the sense it for me it relieves a little of the helplessness mm -hmm. because I realized there is something I can do. There is something I can do, right? I can feel, <laughs> I can feel my feelings and then, and then I can engage in ways that align with my values. And so maybe for you, that means speaking out, right? Maybe it means going to a protest. Maybe it means writing to your legislators. Maybe it means talking to your neighbors and getting to know them and creating community. Maybe it means you know, working for things within your community. Maybe it means that because I am feeling my feelings, I am being present, I am working to be present and grounded, right? That I can control what's in my control. And that's me. That's it. <laughs> that would be the only thing. <laughs> and, and so that, um, for me, I've been really tuned into like, okay, what are, especially in these last few weeks, what are the things that I need to do for me? And for me, that looks like doing my morning meditation, writing every day, making sure I get outside, drinking enough water, <laughs> connecting with people who are meaningful to me. The and one, in, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say the one that I'm, I am feeling very, very deeply is, and I think about this specifically for people that have an understanding of the ECPR framework to continue to hold that space for others, for others to show up and express emotion without judging, without fixing, without moving, without dismissing, without the resources, 
just create these spaces where people can say everything that's been going on in their hearts. You know, when we talk about heavy hearts and we talk about collective trauma, all of that, the witnessing of a person's emotions exactly as they are is the most healing thing we can do for ourselves, for our communities, for the world. Um, I firmly believe that because it re-engages that emotional body that we all have as humans. And um, that's where we're going to get more empathy in our world and more understanding and more curiosity and just all of those pieces. So when you were listing the different things, I was like, yes, yes, I'll do that. Yep. Do that, do that, do that. And then I was like, allowing others to express openly and whether that's a family member or, you know, when you were talking about your kids, I'm like, how do you have conversations like this with your children in a way that is authentic, real and developmentally appropriate um, and validate all of their emotions? You know, the one that comes to mind the most is, you know, telling them they, they don't have to be afraid. The reality is they might feel afraid Mm -hmm. and we need to talk about that and not say they shouldn't, but allow them to feel afraid and know that they can hold more than one emotion at a time. Like they can hold the fear and they can hold, I love seeing my classmates or um, boy, I love reading at school or whatever piece of school that there are other emotions tied to. You know, I think one of the, we had this beautiful certification over the last few days and we had really good conversations about allowing our children to see our emotion. You know, it's okay for our children to see us feeling overwhelmed, feeling sad. In fact, it helps to normalize it when we think that we can only show our children the good pieces. And the reality is that never happens because then it bursts into a frustration rage thing, or at least it does for me when I push stuff away too long. Um, but having, having conversations where emotions can come up is so important for everyone and, and children, absolutely. One, I think when you were speaking to that with children saying, and kids might be afraid, I mean, I'd love to have adults hear that too, right? That you can hold multiple emotions at, at once. Like we can feel that fear and, and we, can, um, we can also let that wave of fear wash over us, right? to in sitting with it I think that's the piece and the push right when we push when we push emotion away it's 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 there it's still there it's totally still there and then of course we I think I've talked about another in another episode like how it spills out all over the place right how that spills out and so that idea of how we can we can also say I can hold this I think um one of one of the days I can't even remember which day it was and I said oh I'm just reserving this day for rage I'm just 
real mad. I'm really mad and I'm going to be mad. And today I am mad. I am so upset. I am angry. I am beside myself. Today is reserved for rage and I'm going to feel it. I'm going to sit in it. And is it uncomfortable? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I'm going to feel it. And it was really interesting to watch what happened when I really honored it. If some of you are familiar with the Rumi poem, The Guest House, it's, it <clears throat> says something like, this being human is a guest house. And every day there's a new emotion, a new guest, and treat each one honorably because each has been sent as a gift from the beyond. And maybe, this is, I like this one, and maybe clearing you out for some new delight. So it was interesting watching that just when I, when I honored how I was really feeling, what happened. And if I remember, I think I remember the day you did that, you also did some journaling to get it out of you. Like rage, rage journaling is a yes. thing. Yes. <laughs> it's not a thing. It now is a thing. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a thing. It's totally a thing. Yeah. yeah. And so think, thinking of thinking about how I could, how I could honor that feeling. So yeah. Talked with other people about it. I journaled about it. Um, and this, you know, being in this place of a heavy heart it's heavy and honoring that honoring honoring the pain honoring the sadness honoring the grief and that's hard yeah and it feels it feels overwhelming in that if I open that pressure pot, what's going to happen? Um, and it makes me think of Marianne Williamson. She, I don't even remember, it's from, gosh, I want to say like the 90s is when I started reading her work and listening to her work. And she said something about a person she was talking to and um, the person said, well, what would you have me do? Sit in bed and cry for three days? And Marianne was like, yeah, if that's what you need to do, do that. You know, because she, it was it, for this person, it was going on medication or sit in bed and cry for three days. And Marianne was like, yeah, sit in bed and cry for three days. And that's not a Medication is right, wrong, good, bad, anything like that. But knowing that we can give ourselves permission to process the feelings all the way through and that we can also set. Um, I had a very wise woman in my life once when I was going through a lot of grief, knowing that you can set a time limit. You know, if I have done that with grief before. She was always like, Lynn, take, tell yourself you're going to take 20 minutes and be still and let every emotion come up without pushing, dismissing, you know, all the different ways that we try to avoid it. And when 20 minutes is up, it's okay to say, 
you know what, I'm done now. And I would set a timer and almost inevitably I would hit 20 minutes and I'd be like, wow, I was done about five minutes ago, you know? Um, But knowing that we can do that too, creating the spaces to lift the lever on the pressure valve is really important. You know, I remember feeling like if I start crying, I'm going to cry forever. And it's like, then cry forever. (laughs) And and the importance of that. Um, I call it going down my rabbit hole. Mm. And I'll say, okay, I've got permission. Let's go. Go down the rabbit hole. And sometimes we'll set a timer or just kind of like a here's here's how much time I have. And it's really interesting what happens when you you just allow yourself to feel those feels all the way through. Um, I remember reading and I shared this before and you were like, what? If we really allow a feeling to flow through us and don't think it away or question it or like try to try to suppress it, usually that wave, if we really allow it to just flow, is like 90 seconds. Yeah, I know. Blows I me away. Like, I know, I know. <laughs> I had to read it multiple times because I was like, no. But it's it's because it's because we're human, right? And emotions are body responses, but we're like, no, 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 I don't want that response. Like, no, 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 thank you. When you and, think about and, all the energy you put into not feeling it, holy shnikey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that practice, I love that practice and that idea of saying, okay, I'm gonna go down the rabbit hole. I'm gonna set, I'm gonna set my timer to just be with this and, and to just allow it to be in whatever way it needs to be. And to surround yourself with people that can be with you in the midst of it as well and not try to dismiss or push is really important. Oh, my internet connection is unstable. It always cracks me. My connection is unstable. I feel that. (laughs) We understand. We understand. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. That piece that you're speaking to of, of finding other people, like we're wired for connection, right? We are as humans, we are wired for connection to connect with ourselves and to connect with other people. And, and so we can do that by making space for others, as we've talked about, right? When we, when we ground ourselves, when we feel our feelings, when, and then say like, yep, and I'm here and I can hold space for somebody else to do the same. And I really believe that that can be a really powerful ripple that can happen because once you've experienced that, when you've experienced someone else holding that kind of space for you, all you want to do is, right, find that space again and also think about how you can do that for someone else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. So my friends, I said at the beginning, you are not alone. So I'm going to say it again. You are not alone. You are not alone with a heavy heart. 
you are not alone in feeling whatever it is you are feeling in the wake of tragedy. You are not alone in, in feeling the overwhelm. You are not alone in feeling all the feels. And to just say, we are with you with heavy hearts. And you are not alone. And all vibes are real. And all <laughs> vibes, <laughs> and all vibes are real. That's right. So we are so glad you took some time today for you to listen, to join us, to be with us. We will look forward to connecting with you again on our next Real Vibes Only. Until then, take care. <laughs>